Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. And I'm Trisha Bobita. Today, Greta talks to two badass feminist writers we love, Roxane Gay and Kelly Jensen. I'm a little jealous. I know. Get to do yeah. these solo, well, buddy. we missed you. We missed you. Yeah. I was on a journey. <laughs> <laughs> you want to tell us about it, or you just want to be? I mean, it was you? a meeting. Journey made it sound more exciting. Did you go to Mordor? It was a meeting. <laughs> Did you find the ring? I mean, I was in D.C., so I kind of <laughs> wasn't Mordor. <laughs> we missed you, Trisha. <laughs> Up first is Roxanne. You may have read her essay collection, Bad Feminist. You may even remember we talked to her about Bad Feminist. It feels like 17 years ago. It was approximately two years ago. Anyway, Roxanne also has a novel called Untamed State. And we talked to her about her latest book, which is a collection of short stories, and it's called Difficult Women. Roxanne writes everything from fiction to essays, op-eds for The New York Times to mystery short stories. She really does everything. She does it all. Comic books, even. Roxanne is also an English professor at Purdue University and a self-proclaimed tiny baby elephant lover. I mean, tiny baby elephants. Like, who's not to love that? It's, it was a weirdly phrased sentiment, but I think you know what I mean. Okay, here's Greta and Roxanne's conversation. Roxanne, welcome to Nerdette. I have to say, you know, when I first started reading your book, Difficult Women... I remember being just a couple of stories in and thinking to myself, this is a really difficult book. And then being like, well, it is called Difficult Women. That's probably actually the point. Yes, it is. And yeah, I mean, you know, the first story, you're talking about pedophilia. There's a lot of really intense sexual violence throughout. But I also feel like every story has these little morsels of beauty and truth. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder how important it is to you to make sure that there are those moments in these stories along with the misery. I think that where there is darkness, you have to also consider light because where there's darkness, there has to be light. Otherwise, yeah, there's just no hope. And what are you doing? You know, a lot of readers focus on the darkness first, but there is light in my stories and there is hope. And it's just complicated because that's the way the world is. And I'm trying to create stories that are nuanced and interesting that give the reader something to hold on to. It's funny thinking about even just like literal darkness and light and the stories in here that take place in super northern Michigan. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in Alaska, which is another place where there's like either darkness or light in a lot of circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, another thing I really appreciated in this book was just how well you described what it feels like to just be really cold in darkness, too. I thought was hilarious and horrible. (laughs) When I moved to the Upper Peninsula, I was stunned by the weather. And there were days when we had to have like four or five hours of sunlight. And, you know, it wasn't even as cold as it was miserable with the snow and It was cold because it was below freezing. And just the combination of darkness, cold, and 300 inches of snow or more, it was just a lot. Yeah, it's funny. I described it to someone recently as just inhumane. It it is. It's cruel and unusual. There's no reason that anyone should actually exist in these climates. And yet. And yet here we are. People find a way. (laughs) 
So I wonder, as someone who writes about really intense, difficult topics, and as a teacher, I'm curious where you fall when it comes to trigger warnings. There isn't one in this book. Yeah, I don't believe in trigger warnings. I mean, it's not that I don't believe in them. I don't use them. I mean, what am I going to put trigger warnings on? There's the obvious, of course, sexual violence, but I can't be responsible for the emotional health of everyone that reads my work, and I can't anticipate what is going to trigger everyone. I respect that trigger warnings really exist for the people who need them, and I wrote that in my essay about trigger warnings. And I believe now what I believed then in terms of respecting the need for them while being unwilling to use them. I'm not going to warn people off of my writing. That's just not something I'm going to do. This is a collection of short stories, but even within the notion of short stories, you're doing a lot of different things. You have first-person reflections. You have things that are almost family history. You have like some speculative science-y, fiction-y stuff. You have some myths. I wonder, is there a genre that you feel most comfortable in, or do you feel most comfortable dabbling in all of the things? You know, I think that dirty realism is probably my wheelhouse, and I'm always trying to grow as a writer and experiment, and so I never allow myself to be constrained by what I'm most comfortable in, because I don't know that that's where my best writing happens. And I just love experimenting with different genres. And you can see that, I think, in this book. Absolutely. In the acknowledgments, you have kind of like all the standard thank yous, you know, your agent, your family, your friends. But there are three things that you mentioned that I was particularly delighted by. They are Channing Tatum's Neck Mm. and Beyonce's Lemonade. Mm. And Law and Order. Yes. Did they help you specifically with this book or are they just like forever life things? They helped me with this book in particular and they also help me every day. (laughs) I, I was really moved by Lemonade. It's just a beautiful work of art and a beautiful narrative. So I was just grateful and I wanted I wanted my gratitude to Beyonce to be out there in the world, even though she'll never see it. And then I love Channing's neck. And so, you know, I just always think about biting it. (laughs) <laughs> and arr, just getting a little gnaw in there. And so I thought I'd thank him. And Law & Order SVU is on all the time whenever it's on USA. And so it's the background to most of my writing. Have you met Channing Tatum? Oh, no, you'll know when I meet Channing. I will tell the whole world. How, I will take out a billboard. How often do you think about meeting Channing Tatum? Daily. I feel like Channing is one of those people for me who like I can't actually let myself conceive that he exists in real life because it's Mm. just too overwhelming. Yeah, he's perfect. Yeah. He's just meaty and he seems genial. And I mean, there are many, many wonderful actors who you look at them and think they're probably not that great in real life. He's one of those guys that seems great in real life. And if it's not true, then he's that good an actor, which is fine by me. (laughs) So you wouldn't even be disappointed if you turned out to be like a total jerk? No, I think we're allowed to be human. Yeah. But I don't get that sense. And I've heard from people who have worked with him that he's as nice as he seems. I hope it's true. Me too. It's like believing in Santa Claus. <laughs> maybe I mean, just we gotta maybe have something, Santa's man. real. We got to have something. So I wonder, you're doing a lot of traveling now. You are a very well-renowned human being and writer person. I am. You are. You are, at least in the circles that I'm running in, which I feel pretty good about. Circles, you know. know. Um, (laughs) I wonder what is it about teaching that you find rewarding as you're also writing? My paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) I love teaching. I mean, I I mean, it's a job. Right, right. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I I do it because it pays me. But I, I love teaching. I love working with students and just seeing the trajectory over the course of a semester and how they grow as a writer. 
uh, that's always exciting, and it keeps me sharp. Do you like living in a small town? No, I hate Indiana. Is there something about that that you think helps fuel your writing, living in a place that you hate? No. No, you just hate it. I just hate it. Yeah, there's nothing productive about it. Yeah. I won't be there forever. That's fair. That's super fair. Yes. (laughs) So I'm very excited to talk to you about writing for Marvel as well, speaking Mm -hmm. of all of the genres and kind of challenging your writing abilities. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up with this gig of writing this? Yeah. Ta-Nehisi Coates emailed me one day and he said he had a crazy idea and he suggested that I write a comic for Marvel. And I didn't really know what he was talking about because when I thought of Marvel, I just thought the comic book publisher and surely he wasn't talking about Marvel. So I was like, I'm going to need you to elaborate. And he did. And I wasn't sure where I was going to find the time, but I also wanted to meet Thor. And so (laughs) I was like, well, maybe this will get me tickets to the premiere of Ragnarok. And so, yeah, that's why I said yes. He's what looking he, so good these days. He is oh. looking really good. I mean, good. did you see the little video of him working out? Oh, no. Oh, it's so good. He's oh, no. shirtless and sweaty, and he's grunting and lifting things. <laughs> hey, guys. <sighs> You're all pathetic. <sighs> I'm just like, Daddy. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll I do sure it. will. So you did not grow up as a comic book fan, right? Mm-mm. I read Archie comics growing up. You read Archie. And I loved them. I read them religiously. Okay. What does it mean to you and what do you think it means to other readers to be able to create these characters who are of color and queer in a world that like didn't really have a whole lot of that going on until pretty recently? I think it's awesome. And I think it's necessary. And I'm the first black woman to lead a Marvel comic, but I know I won't be the last. And that's also very important to me. You never want to be both the first and the last. I think in that you aren't doing your job. And I think that's why ta reached out to me and also Yona Harvey. It's important to diversify comics and not for political correctness, but because there are more stories out there that should be told. And it's about time that a black woman wrote a black woman at Marvel. It's just ridiculous that this hasn't happened yet. But they've been wonderful. And storytelling is storytelling. So it's the same in many ways. But to tell a story and think in terms of scene and panel and to see then visual art coming to life with your words is just very fun. So are there other media you'd like to conquer? Are you thinking about TV much? Am I? Why, yes. Can we talk about I can't talk the about amazing it. TV shows you're going to make? I am working on a show, but I can't talk about it. Okay, so... In general, what is the formula of, like, perfect trashy TV to you? Oh, Vanderpump Rules. So it has to be about absolutely nothing Uh with utterly irredeemable characters Uh who are shallow and never seem to Uh work. I am being set up. She had sex with my boyfriend. Oh, my God, dude. What? Tom, don't talk. Where'd you sleep last night? What do you think? You got caught with your trousers down, literally. Hello. All he wanted to do was get in your pants. So, a lot of people want to. Oh my God, I don't want to be anywhere near you. You guys claim to be my best friends, yet you are the two that have made me so goddamn depressed and won't believe me about Jack. Yes. And so it just has to be mindless. It has okay. to be like where you feel like you are in a position to judge the people that you're watching. I think that moral high horse (laughs) position is very attractive as a television (laughs) watcher, where you just think, whatever I've got going on, I'm not that. It's a good formula. But, you know, really, in terms of scripted television, (laughs) I think 
there has to be some soapiness, some melodrama of some kind and really good characters and flawed characters because you don't want to feel inferior to the people that you're looking at. You want to feel related, that you can relate to them. And if they are better than you, they have to be better than you in really sexy ways like Olivia Pope. Mm. Or just like biceps, right? Oh, that's too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Eye candy is fine too. <laughs> yeah, I really like beautiful characters, but also like a certain level of just ridiculous salaciousness. Yes, you know? absolutely. That's why I, I love Shonda Rhimes. Yes. I think that everything she does is wonderful. Like Olivia Pope is going to wear a white wool suit and drink red wine and nothing's going to happen. And then she's going to change the world and fix it and just solve crises. It's so sexy. Oh. It is pretty exquisite. Yes. So I wonder if your work has changed much in the past, I don't know, like six months, given the new reality we're facing with the president we have and everything. President? She sure. did quote marks I for did. the record. It's like, <laughs> uh, yes and no. I think that I'm the same writer I was, but that I feel more urgency to engage in the political sphere and to talk about social issues and to keep them at the forefront of conversations. Yeah. You know, you engage with a lot of people, especially on the Twitters, which is not known to be like the most rational place Mm -hmm. on earth. What are your personal rules in terms of who it might seem possible to convince and engage with in a constructive, positive manner and who you just know that you have to draw the line where, you, you know, there are just certain things when it comes to misogyny and bigotry and racism that that you won't tolerate. Mm -hmm. On Twitter, I'm never engaging with anyone thinking that change is going to happen. I'm just bringing dirt to the light, really. I'm just saying, look at what black women have to put up with online. That's all I'm doing. You know, if you come at me, then I'm going to come right back and just say, you don't get to bully me. You do not get to harass me and do so in peace. So you read a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many books you read in 2016? I don't know, 85, 90? Yeah, a whole bunch. You know, to me, Difficult Women was one of those books that, like, it was difficult to read. As I said, you know, it wasn't like a fun, easy, breezy read necessarily, but it also helped me feel like a more engaged, empathetic human being by the time I was done with it. Thank you. And I wonder for you as a reader, how often are you balancing reading the really difficult books with like this super fun, ridiculous Channing Tatum novel? I just love to read. And so I don't worry about that so much. I have no problem reading several difficult books in a row, for example. And when I want something light and frothy, I just reach for it. And so that balance seems to come naturally just from the rhythms of my reading. And I I like difficult work. I like to be pushed out of my comfort zone. And so I think rather than like online and in discussions on the internet, I'm willing to be pushed by what I read. I definitely am willing to be challenged there and and will read out of sort of my comfort zone and go beyond what I expect to hear or want to hear in books. What are your favorite couple books that you've read so far this year? I really loved All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders, which I just thought was absolutely delightful and clever and original. And it's not out yet, but it's a book by Alyssa Nutting called Made for Love. And it's out in July. And I love that. That was just very much Alyssa Nutting and weird and a bit raunchy and 
just I loved it. Cool. I'll have to check it out. Yes. I have to admit I've been stalking your Goodreads profile. Nice. And reading things that you like. <laughs> I love Goodreads. I log everything I read on Goodreads. Yeah, you do. And you, as a very prolific reader, it's cool to be able to check out what you like. Yeah, I love – you know, a lot of writers hate Goodreads, but I actually don't read my own Goodreads reviews. Oh, interesting. I never will. Oh, they're so mean. Oh, my goodness. I've learned that lesson a long time ago. Like whenever writers are like, ah, I read my Goodreads. Like, stop. What are you doing? That's not – Goodreads is for readers. It's not for writers. It's not where we go to, like, learn about craft or to be critiqued. We can get that from editors or actual reviews. Professionals. (laughs) (laughs) Roxanne Gay, thank you so much for coming on, Nerdette. It was really fun. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. After the break, I'm lucky enough to talk with another amazing feminist author, Kelly Jensen, about her new book, Here We Are. It actually features an excerpt from Bad Feminist, so that's pretty cool. Hear our conversation in just a minute. You're listening to Nerdette. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Author Kelly Jensen works at Book Riot, a site dedicated to diverse books and authors and all the latest in book reading technology. She calls herself a reformed librarian, and she recently edited a beautiful compilation of essays and short stories and comics all about feminism. It's called Here We Are, 44 Voices, Write, Draw, and Speak About Feminism. It's a scrapbook-style, really approachable, fun, important book that looks at everything from the history of feminism to rape culture to the Bechdel test and the importance of understanding intersectionality and the power of speaking up for yourself. Here's Greta's conversation with Kelly. Kelly Jensen, welcome to Nerdette. Hi, I'm really excited to be here. So why did you decide to put this book together? I had been curating this series on my own blog that talked about reading issues and topics of interest to girls. So I'd invite authors to talk about things like girl friendships and YA fiction or why it's okay to like love good romance books. I loved doing the work of collecting those essays and editing them and sharing them and working with teenagers. So I tweeted the idea and an editor reached out to me. We had a great phone call and the rest is history. No kidding. You literally tweeted this and that was it. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of work after, but... In this book, you do a really good job of collecting the voices from all sorts of different people. I mean, not even just women, but especially also not white women. Can you talk a little bit about the priority of intersectionality when it comes to a book like this? Yeah, we can talk about white feminism and this idea that white feminism is, you know, white women who have found themselves feeling like they've reached this equality. um, But that's really limited in looking at what feminism is. So my approach was to make sure that we didn't just stick to things like suffrage 
happened in 1920. But like, what about black women who didn't get the vote until the 60s and Native women who didn't get it until the 80s? Um, So I wanted to really invite those voices to come in and share their perspective and their stories as sort of a, okay, feminism sounds great in theory, but like, if we're in it, we got to be in it for all, not just for ourselves. Right, because that essentially is ultimately the point, right? I mean, it's about equality. It's not about equality just for people with certain skin colors. Like, that defeats the entire purpose of the whole thing. Yep. And yeah, I mean, speaking of voices, there's also just such a huge variety of people and experiences, too, right? I mean, you have essayist Roxane Gay, you have Mindy Kaling from the Mindy Project, you have a dad... Keeping that idea of intersectionality in mind, too, how, what were your pieces of criteria for, like, the different sorts of voices you wanted here? I um, came up with the list of people that I thought may say yes. And then I made this list of, like, it'd be so cool if I could get these people. I have no idea. Like, is Wendy Davis really going to answer this Facebook message I sent to her? Yes, she did. I kept my lists running and just made sure I had a really good balance. Yeah. Um, I have one token white guy. It's great. Um, and like it was one of those pieces too. As I was reading it, I was like, "Oh God, this is going to end in the like I need a better world for my kid." And it doesn't end that way. And I was like, "Yes, you get it." <laughs> I'm so happy to have this be the representative white dude voice in this book. So, how important for you is it that boys pick this book up? I think it's really important. You know, not just from the perspective of like they should know what feminism is. I think that when they read that, they're going to see people they know in there, whether or not it's a sister, whether or not it's the girlfriend. Um, I did a school visit, and they all had to read part of the book. And I had a boy ask, if I'm in a relationship, can I tell my girlfriend what to wear? And you see the girls in the room going, no. (laughs) But he didn't quite get that, no, like he doesn't get to have a say in that. Having those sorts of conversations, as you know, silly as they sound to us as adults, Kids aren't having them with adults and, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that sounds silly at all. I think those are the sorts of really important questions, especially to be engaging with young people about that stuff. Like, that's huge, you know, because then all of a sudden he's not 30 and hating women because he's been trying to tell them what to wear for the last 20 years and it hasn't gone well for him. Yeah. So there was a really wonderful Q&A you did with Teen Vogue. Shout out to Teen Vogue (laughs) for all the amazing work they're doing these days. And you talk about how sometimes the biggest acts of feminism are the smallest ones. Mm -hmm. And it's something I've been finding myself thinking about a lot. And it really kind of like caught fire for me and my imagination when we interviewed Margot Lee Shetterly, who wrote Hidden Figures, which then became the movie Hidden Figures. And like, yes, they helped America get into space. You know, like these women of color were incredible. They were amazing, super smart, bright mathematicians who nobody really knew about. But there was a point where one of these women was just arguing to be invited into the meetings. You know, it was like that was the feat. Yeah. And there were just all of these like really tiny victories along the way that led to this really monumental event. And I wonder if there are little moments like that for you in your own life or how you can communicate that to girls, especially because I think often it's so overwhelming to Mm -hmm. think about, like, what can I actually do? Right. So one of the pieces in the book by Nova Rensuma is about when she was in high school and she talks a little bit about being kind of a quiet, introverted person who never, like, wanted to ruffle feathers. She never wanted to cause harm. She was in this world literature class. And she said when she got the syllabus on the first day, she was really excited because she loved to read and she had been grown – you know, she grew up in a house where reading was really encouraged. And she said, I get the syllabus and there's not a single female writer 
in this world literature survey class. And she said, and I sat there in that class as a high school senior, just like, what what do I do about this? You know, this can't be right. So she went up to her teacher, who was a man, and she said, we are going to read women in this class, right? And he said, no, women didn't write any of the great works of literature in the world. no. (laughs) And so the piece is about how... When she heard that, I mean, not only was she just, like, appalled, but she decided at that moment what she was going to do for herself was only read women in her free time. And little things like that, I think it's just sort of those calling those things out that eventually, I think, make a difference. So you mentioned that she had stopped reading books by men. You do that too, right? Do you still? (laughs) Um, I did for a year. I thought I wanted to see, like, what it would be like. It's work to find different things, but at the same time, it's like, man, you read so many great things that you would have otherwise not intentionally looked for. I've read a few white guys this year, and they're fine. Um, (laughs) But, like, I'm not going to spend my money on those books. I'll get them from the library. Exactly. Well, one book that all our listeners can certainly support and get behind is yours. It's called Here We Are. Kelly Jensen, thank you for coming on Nerdette. Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. In just a minute... Homework from us. You and me, Greta. You got some homework ready? Oh, I got some homework. All right. And so do Roxanne and Kelly. You're listening to Nerdette. A cornucopia of homework? A homeworkocopia. Mm. No? take a little break after this episode between seasons just a few weeks and so for that time we have an extended homework list for you to keep you busy first here is the assignment from roxanne gay everyone should go see get out i haven't seen it yet. you haven't seen it but you're just telling everybody to go see it <laughs> yes yeah, because it's supposed to be really fun and really scary and also really prescient so go yeah. see get out Greta, you have seen this movie. I have not yet, so I need to do this homework from Roxanne. You do, and it actually pairs pretty well with this homework from Kelly Jensen. All right. Go to the movies by yourself. Ooh. I went on Thanksgiving because my husband was out of town. I went to see Moana by myself. Oh, that's so awesome. Good one to see (laughs) by yourself. I'm just sitting in the back row enjoying my popcorn, my matinee at 2 o'clock on Thanksgiving. I'm like, this is great. So, yeah, that's my challenge. So, yeah, together you just have to go see Get Out Alone, Trisha, and then you will have accomplished the task. I think I can do that. Yeah, I mean, it's a little scary, but you'll be okay. All right. And then, since we're going to be gone for three weeks, we thought we would offer you a couple of extra, maybe like supplementary assignments as well. Your first one is to get ready to watch A Handmaid's Tale. Now, this doesn't come out until April 26th, but it's going to be on Hulu. And it is a miniseries. It's going to be 10 episodes. And this is based on the Margaret Atwood novel, which is, you know, dystopian, futuristic, terrifying, amazing stuff. So what I recommend is you actually read the book or listen to it like I'm going to. Apparently it's narrated by Claire Danes. It's kind of crazy. And then you'll be ready to watch the show. This is, as I said, based on a book by Margaret Atwood. It also stars Elizabeth Moss, who's pretty cool. Peggy Olson from Mad Men. Zoe from The West Wing. Exactly. And Alexis Bledel, who's Rory from Gilmore Girls. So this is like maybe the only dystopian West Wing plus Gilmore Girls crossover that you will ever find in the entire universe. Is that a good sell? What do you think? I'm just thinking about Gilmore Girls and West Wing 
but and Margaret Atwood. <laughs> and a pretty I think amazing I'm gonna like this right? show. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think that's good homework, Greta. And I think you know the reader in the room says that you must uh, read the book. Absolutely. I think you could also just watch it when it comes oh, I'm out because sure. I'm the TV one. <laughs> but either way, it's good homework. And I have some book slash TV related homework for you all as well. It's something that I am hoping is really excellent because I haven't seen it yet because none of us have. But that is the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks coming soon to HBO. That is going to be released on April 22nd. So it's a made-for-TV movie, HBO style. So this should be really good, starring somebody, I don't know, maybe an upper-and-comer in the entertainment <laughs> business. What's her name again? Her name is uh, Oprah Winfrey. Oh, right. Yeah. Oprah. So Oprah is starring as Henrietta Lacks' daughter in this Adaptation of a book that Rebecca Skloot wrote, which is a nonfiction look at a real person, Henrietta Lacks, whose cells, because of the cancer she had, have had a sort of immortal life since the 1950s in medical research. So the polio vaccine, all sorts of AIDS research, all sorts of medical advancements have been thanks to the cells that were once in the body and kind of stolen from the Mm -hmm. body of Henrietta Lacks. It's going to be, I think, really fascinating. You could be reading the book by Rebecca Skloot right now. And you can also watch that HBO movie on April 22nd. That's very accommodating of you to mention the book. Thank you, Tricia. You're welcome. (laughs) But also, guys, it's Oprah. All right. So do that homework. We will be back April 28th. And when we get back, we'll discuss it with you. How does that sound? It sounds good. Also, just for a fun fact, when we get back, Greta will have no tonsils. Ayo. They have been fighting with her for too long. Yeah. It's been a tumultuous relationship. So, yeah, I think Greta's going to be looking for homework also. Yeah, that's true, guys. I would like book recommendations, TV recommendations. Also, if you have any recipes for soft foods, send them my way. I'm at Greta M. Johnson on Twitter. Yeah, don't send me the soft food (laughs) recipes because I have excellent teeth and tonsils at the moment. And so I will be eating things with crunch. That's rude. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. The show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson, along with Candace Mattel. Our executive producer is Joel Meyer. And our intern is Brady Guy. I'm not sure how they feel about soft foods. That's a good question. We could ask them. I mean, who really likes soft foods? Ice cream. That's true. There is ice cream. <laughs> yeah, see, that's it. Thank you to the really excellent iTunes reviewers from Freckles91. I think that's a millennial with freckles. <laughs> AK Girl 61 I hope that that doesn't mean they have a terrifying weapon. Oh, no, I think it's Alaska. You always think everybody's from Alaska. Well, AK, man, it's Alaska. If it said AK Girl 47 I would be a little worried that it was gun related. <laughs> as it is, I think it's probably one of my mom's friends. Who doesn't have an AK-47? Who doesn't? No, who was born in 61, but still calls herself a girl. <laughs> How about Kirby Lee Russell? I don't know Kirby, but thanks, Kirby. Probably Alaskan. Maybe. Possibly Alaskan. It's possible. I and wouldn't make assumptions. 21 I'd... which is in all caps, which I appreciate. Well, I like I was, it when people yeah. shout their username. Oh, I just made it capital because I thought it was so cool. Oh. You should go in, Mimi Breeze 21 and make it Mimi Breeze 21 <laughs> But thank you for the stars, no matter how you capitalize. Yes, leave us a nice review as well, and we will thank you on the show. And keep in touch with us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We're at Nerdat Podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do it. Your homework. Homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. 
and listen to the Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.